I just want to drop uh, in your spirit, especially this whole month of, of August, um, we're going to be preaching on the blessing of God, the supernatural blessing of God. I see many in the church today that are not stepping in and moving forward in boldness. They're actually shrinking back. And I just believe this, that our best days are not spent in isolation. Our best days are spent running into the darkness, loving people that Jesus died to save. And how many of you know we're called to bring solutions to problems? We're not called to run from problems. We're called to bring solutions to problems. All of this takes courage. It takes courage. And I want to encourage you that part of why we are full of the Holy Spirit is because we need the Spirit of God in us to help us face the fears and the challenges that are around us. Because the challenges are supernatural challenges. And how many of you know we need a supernatural God to deal with supernatural challenges? Can I get an amen on that? Everything I'm telling you, none of, it's, none of it is natural. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. It's above the natural. It means as Christians, we're called to live in another dimension, another realm. Yes, we get up. Yes, we go to work. Yes, we feed our kids. Yes, we pay our bills. Yes, we deal with everything everybody else deals with. But how many of you know we are called to move into a completely different supernatural realm by the Holy Spirit, and we're called to live lives that are overcoming lives, which means we face everything everybody else faces, but we overcome those things. And anybody with me out here? This is what it means to be the church. We are not like everybody else. We have an unfair advantage. His name is Jesus. We have an unfair power. His name is the Holy Spirit who lives within us. We have an unfair book. It's called the Bible. It's unfair because it's full of the promises of God that tell us who we are and that we win. This is what we have an unfair advantage. This is why we reign in life through Christ Jesus. It's why we're, as Brian prayed, we're the head and we're not the tail. I want you to get this in your spirit. Today is a day of celebration. It's just, it is a celebration on purpose. I shared this last week. What do we do when we celebrate? Well, we do a number of things. How many of you are grateful for the faithfulness of God? Man, I love the faithfulness of God. And here's the beauty about God's faithfulness. His faithfulness is new and unique every morning, the Bible says. And it's new and unique to each one of us in this room, which means the faithfulness of God gets multiplied in a million different directions. And if we just pause to think about his goodness and his kindness to us, it's a reason. So we're, we're, we're gathering today. We're going to have a massive picnic today. Why are we doing all of this? Number one, just simply to say, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. How many of you are also grateful for Jesus Christ, for his forgiveness, for his mercy? for his kindness to us, for his grace exhibited towards us, for all the blessing and the provision that comes our way because of what Jesus did on the cross. And when we started off today with that song, 10,000 Reasons, and I love it because it ends by talking about what our future is. How many of you are glad that your future is secure? I just want to tell you all this morning, I'm ready to die. I'm not ready, ready to die like today. But I'm prepared, and I'm excited to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. I don't fear the future. My future is secure. How about yours? That's part of the riches we have. That makes us bold in this life. It makes us aggressive. It makes us full of faith because we know God, and our future is secure. How many of you are grateful for the abundant provision of God in your life? You know, we have 18 people now in our immediate family, and uh, it's kind of hard to fit everybody into a hotel room, all right? We just went on vacation together. Because of this crazy COVID stuff, we got tickets for $49. 
We stayed at a place that was provided for us for free. In Breckenridge. How many of you know Breckenridge is kind of pricey? But here's what I was struck with is just how kind God has been to our family. We don't live for that. That's not where our identity is. That's not what we long for. But I'm of you know getting 18 people under one roof for free. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And I'm just grateful because I could recount in my life the faithfulness of God over and over and over again. God's saying, you know what, I know, I know you don't have the money for this, but you know what, I'm rich. And I got good connections. Let me set you up. He's done that to us over and over and over again. And as you live for God and as you love God and as you invest in people and as you put your focus on people and on what God's doing, he will take care of you and he'll demonstrate his faithfulness to you over and over and over and over again as that's the way he works. And this is the good part. The Bible says that the first miracle that Jesus performed, here's the message from that first miracle. God always keeps his best stuff for the end. Which means if you think your life has been awesome up to this point, I got good news for you. The best is yet to come. I want you to tell somebody that. Turn to somebody around you. Tell them the best is yet to come. Tell them I'm serious. Prophesy to somebody this morning. Tell them that. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. I don't care where you're at right now. All these people are not offended because I told them the best is yet to come. <laughs> they're actually going to be serving you, so they're, they're going to eat their sandwich now. Isn't that great? <laughs> the best is yet to come. Say that out loud with me. The best is yet to come. That is the good news about Jesus. You know, I was just talking to a brother this morning. I won't mention his name, but I'm smiling at him. This has been a year of great restoration in his life, from brokenness to restoration. He said the blessings of God are overtaking me. Let me tell you why the blessings of God overtake people. Because when you get aligned with the purposes of God, the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. His blessings are chasing us down. And God's heart is always to redeem, to restore, to heal, to bring people together, to, 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 to do amazing things in our lives. That's the heart of God. It's the goodness of God, which we also sang about this morning. So I think it's fitting that we're going to eat together. Because how many know the Bible's full of stories where Jesus and the disciples ate together and people ate and celebrated? In fact, there's feasts in the Bible that were mandated to come together uh, so that God's people could all be together under one roof and celebrate. And I just want to say before I get into this message too far, welcome to all of our folks in the overflow room right through those double doors there. Welcome to everybody who's watching online. Welcome to everybody in the nations of the world that's friends with us and all of our Roar schools around the globe. We love you. We welcome you. Can you put your hands together and welcome everybody that's not in this room? Amen. So since we're going to eat, I want to kick off this series in Luke chapter 9, and we're going to read a story which you're all very, very familiar with, but I want to highlight some foundational principles as it relates to the supernatural blessing of God. That's Luke chapter 9. We're going to talk about the feeding of the 5,000, all right? Feeding of the 5,000. And I want you to look with me beginning in verse 10, Luke chapter 9, verse 10. I want to talk to you about living in God's economy. It says, when the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything that they had done 
And then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. Can I just share that the disciples here were coming back from a ministry assignment where they were sent out to actually do what Jesus was doing. How many of you know that's what the Christian life is really about? We're supposed to be doing what Jesus did. How many of you know Jesus did some pretty remarkable things? And the Bible says as Jesus went out, he taught them about the kingdom of God. He cast out devils. He healed the sick. Uh, He did amazing, amazing stuff. And Jesus said, now this is what I'm I'm calling you to do. I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to impart to you. I'm going to anoint you. And I want you to go out and do the same thing that I am doing. How many of you know that is our assignment? So the disciples came back. These guys were fired up. They were pumped up, but I also believe they were pooped out. Because how many of you know ministry to people is tiring? Opening your home to people is tiring. Throwing parties for all of us today is tiring. It takes some work. They were tired. I also want to remind you that this story of the feeding of the 5,000 occurs right after John the Baptist was beheaded. How many of you know Jesus was touched with the feelings of our infirmities? Jesus loved John, and Jesus was dealing with the grief that we experience when we lose somebody that we love. So Jesus is in a moment where he needs to get away. The disciples are coming back from a ministry journey. They need to get away. It's like a Southwest commercial, all right? Everybody needs to get away. But I want you to see what's happening next. In fact, Jesus says in, in Mark's, uh, Mark's account of the same uh, miracle here, he said they wanted to go off by themselves to a quiet place and rest for a while. How many of you know if Jesus needs a vacation every now and then, so do you and I, all right? There's nothing the matter with resting and finding a quiet place. That's what Jesus wants to do. In fact, the Bible tells us also in Luke's, Luke's account of this, or Mark's account, there were so many people coming and going that they didn't even have time to eat. So busy with ministry, so many with the demands of people that they didn't even have time themselves to pause even for a bite to eat. So they're hungry and they're tired. Everybody say hungry and tired. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, We've all been there, hungry and tired. I want you to see what happens next. Jesus' plan was to slip away with the guys to Bethsaida, which literally means house of fish, all right? This was the hometown of Peter and Andrew and Philip. They were going to get away, nice little quiet fishing village. They probably have some fish, hang out, and get refreshed. But here's what happened, and I want you to see this. It's important. It's a principle for us. Look at verse 11. But the crowds found out where he was going, and they followed him. The crowds found out where Jesus was going, and they followed him. The crowds searched out his whereabouts. They figured out where he was at. He was going, and they began to follow him there. Verse 12 tells us they pursued Jesus and ended up in a very remote place. What I want you to see is these people are desperate for Jesus and desperate for his presence in their lives. When it says that they found out, that means that they're actually searching him out. Now, right ahead of this verse, I told you, when it talks about um, uh, Herod, Herod, he said, what's going on? What's all the commotion? Uh, I killed John the Baptist. What's, what's happening? And they said, oh, this is Jesus. They said, oh, I've heard about Jesus. I'd like to meet Jesus. Well, how many of you know Herod's approach to meeting Jesus and these people's approach to meeting Jesus are vastly different? You're not going to find the Lord by being a casual observer, like, you know, I'd like to meet him someday, uh, if time permits, How many of you know when you are in pursuit of God, when you're hungry for God, when you're desperate for God, those are the times when people have Jesus encounters that change their lives. Can I tell you that sometimes our desperation for God takes us to remote places, out of the way places. Jesus was out in the middle of nowhere and the multitudes followed him there. Why did they follow him there? Because they were hurting, because they were sick. 
because they were demonized, because they were damaged, because they were broken, and because they had nothing else and they had no other place of hope. I really believe God's trying to bring us back to the place where we get desperate again for God. In the midst of our blessing, in the midst of our prosperity, which is much in this nation, the real challenge is not to become numb by the conveniences that are around us, but to keep an edge in your spirit where you love God more than anything and you love the presence of God more than anything and you'll do anything and you'll go to some pretty remote places if necessary to find the Lord. They found the Lord in a remote place, but they sought him out. And they followed him. In fact, in Mark's gospel, it says that they, they, they knew Jesus was going to go across the lake, and Jesus literally saw them running along the shore to meet him on the other side. And when he arrived, the Bible says Jesus was full of compassion. Now, mind you, he's tired. He's emotionally wounded because of what happened to John the Baptist. The disciples haven't eaten. They're hungry. Uh, and yet Jesus was moved with supernatural compassion for people. And the draw of these people to literally be chasing him down. This church was birthed out of people who had a hunger for the presence of God. People who didn't want the status quo. People who didn't want to play it safe. People who were not wanting to be the religious, respectable crowd. People who were not wanting to be accepted by the whole community. No, people that are desperate for the presence of God. People who are hungry for Jesus. People who want the real deal. Do you all know what I'm talking about? And I just want to encourage you, if there's anything, and how many of you know God is sovereign over all the affairs of men? This COVID thing hasn't caught him by surprise. God is at work even now in our nation. I don't know, and none of us can figure out exactly what is going on and what he's trying to do. But I'll tell you this, I believe God's trying to bring us to our knees and to bring us back to him in a sense of holy desperation where we long for him and we want to do it his way because our way, as we find out, hasn't worked so well. The Bible says this. This is the promise Jesus gave earlier. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because those are the people that get satisfied. If we will put the Lord and his agenda and hunger and thirst for his plan above our own, God's promise to us is he will fill us. What does he fill us with? He fills us with himself. He fills us with satisfaction. He fills us with all the good things that we long for in life. That's the promise of Jesus. The hungry are always filled. Can I just challenge you with this? Can we ask the Lord in this season to intensify the hunger in our hearts to know him and to be with him and experience his presence in a fresh way. I'm asking you that. Can you join me in that? That God would whet our appetite and that the Holy Spirit would stir up a fire in our hearts to know the Lord and to hunger for him. Look at the response of Jesus in the next verse. The Bible says he welcomed them and he taught them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who were sick. He welcomed, he taught, and he healed. That word welcome in the Greek means that Jesus had a big smile on his face. Hopefully those were what our greeters were doing this morning. Hopefully that's how you were greeted with people around you. How many of you know there's something powerful about a smile? There's something powerful that says, you know what? I know you, I love you, I welcome you. Or if I don't know you, I want to get to know you. You are welcome in this place. We need to be great lovers of people. Jesus is hungry. He's physically tired. He's spent. He's trying to go on vacation. 
And yet there's people. And what does he do? He smiles at them, and he releases the Father's heart for people. You know what? I'm just trying. If there's, if I, can we simplify this? There's one thing, one thing you can do in ministry to follow Jesus successfully is to simply do this, love people. Which ones? How about the one right in front of you? How about the ones in your house? How about the one you're sitting next to? This is not that hard. Love people. Love them with an open heart. Smile at them. Enjoy people. Let people know they're the most precious thing ever. And if you'll love people, then you can do the second thing Jesus did. Teach them. How many of you have figured out people could care less your opinion about anything if they don't know that you love them? Well, I'm going to go tell those people. They're not even listening. They could care less what you think. Well, the Bible says they don't care what the Bible says. That's why they're lost. How do we catch their attention? We welcome them. Welcome. We love you. We care about you. We care about what's going on in your life. He taught them. And then I want you to see this. He healed them. Do you know in most of the places of the world, they don't get to go to the doctor. They don't have emergency wards. They don't have insurance policies. Do you know what happens like when I get to go to Pakistan? Do you know what we do? There's thousands of people that show up. Not because of me. They show up because they're hungry for Jesus. They're desperate people. They're people under the grip of false religion. They're people living in abject poverty. And I tell you this, I bet you 99% of the people in the audience are sick with something. That's why, can I tell you something else? We've got to recover the healing ministry of Jesus Christ in the local church. We've got to recover the healing ministry of Jesus Christ in the local church. The reason there's so much miracles overseas is because people are desperate and they have nothing. All they have is Jesus. But you know what? Jesus is enough. And I can't help but think in the midst of this pandemic, how the devil just mocks at a powerless Western church. The devil just mocks. We have our nice religious services, but now the best the church can do is hide away in a closet while we love our neighbor. Are you kidding me? Is this the gospel that we read about in the book of Acts? Is this the gospel that we read about from Matthew and Mark and Luke and John? Is this, is this what the church does? We just hide away and we whimper and we, we, we have nothing to offer? It's not the God, that's not the church that Jesus raised up. Now, please hear me in balance. We've all had our prayers. We've all wrestled with people that we prayed for, and maybe God didn't answer in healing. Maybe they went home to be with the Lord. We've all had our disappointments. But I'm just going to tell you this. We need to keep praying for sick people and loving sick people and healing sick people and caring for the hearts of the broken because that is the ministry of Jesus. And the number one thing Satan does is wound and destroy and break the heart of people made in the image and likeness of God. We have got to be moving in the full-blown healing ministry of Jesus, or we got nothing to offer. That's, that's just the truth. He welcomed them, he taught them, and he healed them. So I want you to help me do something every week at Living Stones. This is a place where no matter what kind of week you've had, 
you should be greeted by dozens of faces who are full of the joy of the Lord and who their simple look at you says this, you are valued, you are precious to God and we celebrate your life and we can't wait to hear your story because God wants to welcome you and embrace you and he wants to heal and restore you. Anybody say amen to that. Be a, this is a culture that's life-giving. This is a culture where we celebrate people and we love people. Help us, help us, help us, help us to do that. And then we make disciples. How many of you want to go deeper in your walk with God? You want to learn to do this stuff. You want to minister to people. You want to see fruitfulness in your life. You want to see that blessing on your seed and your seed seed. You want to move in the fullness of what God has. Well, you know what? We need to learn to do what Jesus did. We need to learn to live the way Jesus lived. And then heal them. We got so many things here at Living Stones that, that I'm so proud of what God's doing through his church. He, areas where people can get healed and restored. I encourage you, if you've already received some of that healing, be quick to give it away so that other people can receive ministry. So receive it and then give it away. We've got another little thing here at Living Stones that talks about how we do ministry. If you're new here, it's real simple. We love people. We mend people. We train people and we send people. Say that with me. We love them, we mend them, we train them, and we send them. Isn't that good? So if you come here, we want you to feel the love of Jesus for you because God's crazy about you and he wants you to heal and restore what's broken in your life. Love people, mend people, come into the fullness of what God has for you. Train people, figure out who you are, what God's called you to do in the unique way he shaped you. And then send people. In other words, get you engaged in doing the work of the Lord. How many of you know that sounds pretty exciting? Very exciting. Look what it says in verse 12. We keep reading in this passage. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and they said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so that they can find food and lodging for the night. There's nothing to eat here in this remote place. But look at what Jesus said in verse 13. Jesus said, you feed them. How many know there's like a huge difference between what Jesus has in mind and what we have in mind? The disciples said, let's cancel the picnic. We can't feed these people. Y'all go home. Now remember, they hadn't eaten yet either. They were with Jesus. Remember, the things were too busy. Busy ministry trip. They hadn't eaten yet either. Hey, Jesus, send all these people away. This was the hometown of these, some of these disciples, and they're like, we know there's no Kentucky Fried Chicken here. There's, there's no McDonald's on this corner. Send these people away. And Jesus stuns them. Can you imagine if Jesus turns to you, you're in this desert remote place, all these people, and he, tell, he tells you, hey, feed all these people. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> feed all these people. And what did they do? I want you to see what they did next. But we only have. Everybody say that with me. But we only have. Say that again because we're good at it. But we only have. How many of you are good with using the word but? And how many of you know full well what you don't have and what you only have? Besides me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The Lord says, go do this. But, 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 but. I only, we don't. I mean, you know, you'll never build a earth-shaking movement of God's people if you're focused on your butt and your if-onlys and what you don't have. 
I think I just told you to quit focusing on your butt. All right, I think that's what I just said. How many of you think it's much more fun to be a part of a group of people that would just be childlike enough to believe that God can, can do anything? That's much more exciting than playing it predictably and operating in the natural. Feed them, Jesus says. They're thinking Jesus is absolutely nuts. But Jesus asked them, what do you have? He said, here's what they got, five loaves, two fishes. Now, can I just tell you this? All the Lord wants from us is everything we have. I've joked around before. If some of you think the Lord's only after your money, you're silly. He's after all of you, everything. He wants to steal it all from you. Take it all. It's not about money. It's about your life. It's about your heart. It's about who you are. It's about, your, it's about why you're here. Jesus wants all that we have, and he wants us to be willing to allow him to possess everything that is his, to give it all away. And I want you to see what Jesus did in verse 16. He said that he took the the bread and he took the fish and he lifted it up and he gave thanks and then he blessed it. Now, this is what I want to drive home in this series. One of the very first acts of God all the way back in Genesis is to bless to bless Adam and Eve, to bless them in the work, to bless them in what he called them to do. And one of the very last things we see in the Bible is the blessing of God. One of the last things Jesus did before, literally the last thing he did before he ascended to the Father is that even as he was ascending, he spoke a blessing over the disciples. How many of you know God is a blesser? And whatever God blesses multiplies. How many of you know the blessing of God is not something that we hope we have on our lives, it's something we absolutely need. We must have the blessing of God. What is the blessing? It's the supernatural hand. It's the, it's the anointing. It's the favor. It's the spoken goodness of God over your life. And Jesus took the broken pieces and he blessed them. And you know the story. We don't know how, exactly how that happened. We start handing them out to the, to the 12 and they start handing them out. And before you know it, 5,000 men plus their wives plus their families. That was a massive group. We're all fed. That's kingdom economics. And here's what I want you to see. You know the story. They ate all that they wanted, verse 17. They ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of leftovers. Now, have you ever thought about how this story could have ended? I mean, if you and I were writing the story, we'd probably say, you know, a miracle took place. Everybody finished all their plates. Everybody had just what they wanted. And when the last bite was taken... The plates were empty and Jesus had fed everybody. But that's not what happened. Jesus does miracles where there's leftovers. I mean, just think of it. Jesus is the God of leftovers. He said, oh, guys, guys, don't let it go. Gather it all up and put it in. Oh, how many baskets? One for each of you. What? How, you, how crazy is that? I mean, think about this. It would have been crazy enough to feed how many? 5,000 plus people, five loaves, two fishes. But Jesus is the God of leftovers. Next time you kids ask your parents what you're eating for dinner, oh, leftovers, don't you dare roll up your nose. Jesus is the God of leftovers, all right? He's the God of leftovers. Because how about this for a little mental shift? 
oh, all we're eating tonight is leftovers. That meant that you had more than enough at the last meal. So you need to take out those leftovers. Hallelujah. This is the God of more than enough. Because we couldn't even eat it all last meal. Now we get to eat it this meal. I mean, I want, to, I want this to settle in into our hearts. We serve the God who has more than enough. He is the God of excess. He is not the God of lack. He is not the God of let's just squeak by. He is not the God of, man, I hope we'll make it. It's not who he is. He's not the God of the natural. He wants to know, what are you offering me? And if we put it in the Lord's hands, he can do supernatural things with it. And can I encourage us this morning that God wants us to eat as much as we want and then have plenty of leftover for others. This is not the God that says, you go without or whatever. How many of you got it settled in your spirit that the God who clothes the lilies of the field and feeds the birds of the air, he wants to care for you? He wants to care for you. He says, are you not more valuable than they? How many of you feel valuable? I mean, this is important. I mean, I don't, this is not some humanistic message. I mean, in the presence of your father as sons and daughters, do you feel the value of God on your life? Because some people don't. They, they live like orphans. They live like they're all by themselves. They live like they got to figure this out by themselves. You don't have to figure this out by yourself. You have a father who's crazy about you. You have a God who loves you. You have a God who wants to care for you and knows your needs, knows all of your needs before you even ask them. He values you, but you have got to get this identity in your spirit if you're going to move in the supernatural blessing of God. And can I just say this? You take your your loaves and your fish, and the first thing you do with it, you're looking out at the crowd that's gathered, and you're going, whoa. And here's what you do. Lord, thank you for these loaves and fish. I mean, you know, the the beginning place of walking in the supernatural blessing of God starts with your mouth and your heart that's full of thanksgiving to God. I see so many people that destroy the blessing of God on their lives because they're always critical and negative and they're focusing on their but if only, all right? I only have this. Stop focusing on the natural and, and the little that you have and get your eyes on the God who multiplies the little, It's all about the greatness of God. It's not about us. It's about the greatness of God. Can I just tell you this? In 2020, we're moving ahead. We're not shrinking back. We're going to continue to do things to expand. We're going to continue to reach people. We're going to continue to give sacrificially. We are not shrinking back. I don't care what's going on around us because I'm not focusing on the the circumstances. I certainly am not listening to the evening news. My identity comes from God. My reality comes from God. My hope comes from God. My truth comes from the promises of God. This is who we are. I don't listen to Dr. So-and-so and the nightly news and the negativity and the fakes this and fake that and wah, 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 and death. T- I don't listen to none of that stuff. It has no bearing on my life. That does not, I don't care what an expert says. I care what one expert says. I care what God says. That's what I care about. What does God have to say? I'm with him. I agree with him. How about you? In the kingdom, there's always enough for everyone. So let me encourage you with this. Love extravagantly. Love extravagantly. You know what? If you'll open your home, in our house, if anybody's been in our house, our house is a revolving door of kids and people. 
eight kids, they all have friends. Isn't that amazing? All their friends come to our house and they hang out at our house. Let me just say this. I love it. It's awesome. We love it. We're not, we never have wanted to be empty nesters. That's boring. We want to be people that there's constantly people coming over all the time. And of course, they always want to eat. So you feed them all the time. But guess what happens when you live that way? If you love people the way God loves people, God will give you the supernatural provision to care for them. You know, I've always been touched by the story of Roland and Heidi Baker in Mozambique. She told the Lord she never would let an orphan that she ran into stay an orphan. That that child would be taken in and hugged and loved and fed. And she said, Lord, I don't know how we're going to feed all of these precious orphans, but you would care for them, so we're just going to care for them and trust you to take care of feeding them. And you know, when I heard her testimony, the Lord shared something with me that's always stuck with me. He said, you know what? If you act like a father, like me, if you'll act like me, I will give you the resources that I have to take care of people and to love people. Now, I just got to tell you, every time I read stories of saints who are doing this at a far better level than I am, here's what happens to me. I don't feel condemned. I feel hungry for more. I feel hungry for more. I want to be able to move in the supernatural provision of God. But how many of you know the supernatural provision of God is often attached to orphans and widows and people that are, are genuinely poor, and people that have been wounded, people that have been hurt. And so if God says, if you'll father them and mother them the way I father and mother you, I will provide the resources that you need to care for those people. I could tell you story after story of how God has provided supernaturally for the needs of this ministry through the most unlikely people and scenarios that you could even imagine. It would blow your mind. God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom. It doesn't make sense to us. In fact, I never would have believed, you know, Apostle Ted Soul is coming in a, in a matter of weeks to minister to us, one of our overseers. Last time he was here, do you remember what he prophesied? He said, you'll quickly be going to three services. If you would have told me that we would have gone through a global pandemic where our government was quarantining us and not even allowing us to meet for months on end, and in the process of that, we're going to have to add a service to accommodate what God is doing and the people that he's sending in the midst of that, and that we would have all that we needed financially when the government was literally destroying the economy by shutting people down and not allowing people to run their own business. You, are you crazy? This is what I'm telling you. There's a supernatural blessing for the people of God no matter what's going on, and it's found when we come together in the presence of God, united in love for God and love for one another. It creates an atmosphere where God can do supernatural things. And I'm just telling you guys, listen to me. The days of kind of playing church and going through the motions, it's not going to be enough. I think we're just beginning the roller coaster ride of our life. We need an awakening. And we're not going to get, in fact, I'm just going to tell you this there's going to be a lot of church buildings up for sale because they will not survive what's coming ahead. Because if you think people are going to just get up and go to a social club, 
If you think people are going to waste their time at a social club that has no power and no relevance to the culture around them, you got another thing coming. It ain't going to happen. People are hungry for the real deal. People are hungry for God. And I say this with every ounce of passion in my heart. I want to make sure when they come to our church that they encounter the presence of Jesus, that they encounter people that genuinely love them, that they encounter people that know how to set other people free from the attacks of the enemy in their life, that their marriages can get healed, that their families can be restored, that their bodies can get healed, that their emotions can get healed, that their spirits can come and have a relationship with Jesus Christ that changes them forever. If we can't deliver the goods, I'm just telling you, they're going to be putting up for sale signs in our front yard. And perhaps they should be. Because we've dropped the ball. Let me just say this in closing. In Mark's gospel, a few chapters later, Jesus feeds the 4,000. He feeds the 5,000, then he feeds the 4,000. And there's really a pathetic story, all right, that happens next. I don't have it on the slides, but just listen to me. Jesus and the boys get ready to cross the lake. They no sooner get out of the parking lot and the disciples are arguing and pointing fingers. They're having a fight right in the back seat. Jesus is driving a boat. Kids are fighting in the back seat. And Jesus is listening to them. You know what they're fighting about? Dude, you forgot the Wonder Bread. <laughs> okay, let me back to it. So Jesus just fed 5,000 people, probably more like 15,000 people, conservatively, all right, with women and children. And then he feeds the 4,000, remember that? And in both situations, guess what they had? Leftovers. In fact, in the 4,000, the word for basket is the same word that's used of the basket that they put Paul in when they lowered him over the wall. We're not talking about a little Tupperware bowl. We're talking about a basket big enough to put a human being in. <laughs> so the boys saw both of those. They're with Jesus. Whoa! And now they're arguing over who forgot the bread. Oh my gosh, you didn't bring lunch. You, yeah, I left it on the counter. Why didn't you pick it up? I didn't always, I thought you picked it up. Uh, I mean, it's like, anybody ever have those scenarios in your house? They're arguing over who forgot the lunch. And Jesus looks at them. Are you kidding me? Were you guys with me? Like for the past couple of events here? We just fed the 5,000. It's going to be a great story. Going to go down in history in the Bible. Going to go down forever. They're going to be talking about that. Remember that? And then I just fed 4,000. We had leftovers. And you guys are arguing over bread? This is what he is. I'm paraphrasing. You still haven't figured this out yet? Can I just challenge us today? Because we need to challenge each other. There's not a one of us in this room that hasn't experienced the pressure of lack. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or the challenge of faith to step out and to sow and to give and to love and to trust the Lord even when you're like, I don't know where this is coming from. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We need each other so that we're not arguing over the wonder bread. 
We need each other so that we can instill faith to trust God for greater things. Does anybody want to be a part of a move of God in your generation that leaves a mark on human history? And so, like, come on, when you come before the Lord someday, you're like, yes, my life mattered. Man, I want that so badly. I, I just got to tell this last story. And, and I, I'd like to get you all a copy of this book. But I just, I just was reading last night Heidi Baker's book called Compelled by Love. Amazing story. But she tells the story of a prophecy that was spoken, supernatural, over her and her ministry. The guy didn't even know who she was, didn't even know she, she was from Mozambique, and he prophesied about Mozambique. And part of the prophecy was that the blind were going to re- receive sight and the deaf were going to hear. So for the whole year, she said every single blind person I could find, and there's tons of them in Mozambique. She said, I went up to them and I hugged them and I wept over them. I let them know how much I loved them, how much Jesus loved them, and I prayed for them to be healed. And she said, for a whole year, a whole year, no healings. But you know what she says? I believe the word of God, and I believe God can do it, and I believe God's called me to it, and God's prophesied it. I'm just going to keep praying and loving and I want them to feel the love of Jesus. She prayed for a blind woman, white eyes, no, no uh, iris, none of that stuff, just white. And uh, the Holy Spirit touched this woman as she's laying on the ground. Heidi watched her eyes turn from white to gray to brown, and this woman shrieked she could see. They said, Mama, and they gave her name in, in uh, in an African language. They said, Mama so-and-so, she can see, she can see. Well, the lady that got healed had Heidi's same name. They, had this, they were namesakes. The next woman she prayed for, same thing happened, and guess what? The lady had the same name as Heidi. And then the third woman she prayed for had the same name. She's like, no way. How many of you know what the Lord was just saying? You know what? Because listen to me. It's the people that pursue God. The tenacious, the desperate, the people that won't quit, the people that are hungry for more, those are the people that see the glory of God. The cynics, the religious skeptics, the smarty pants people of the world, the I told you so people, the mocking people. No, those are are not the people that experience the glory of the Lord. But the desperate always get filled. And with God, there's always more than enough. That's two, two words I want you to hear today. The desperate always get filled. If you're desperate for God, he wants to touch you today. He cares about you. And if you're willing to pursue him and even take, let him take you to remote places, you're wondering, how in the world did I get out here? I mean, you know, sometimes the Lord will take you out on a limb. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He'll take you out on a limb. But if you're comfortable with going out on a limb with Jesus, you'll see the glory of God. I'm just hungry for the glory of God. And, and I want you to hear this, because I want you to get this. I am hungry, and I have a passion for the reputation of Christ and his church, which is why we're here today, which is why we're going to head to the parking lot, and we're going to eat today, and we're going to celebrate today. We're going to celebrate the greatness of God today. Here's why. I have a passion, and you should too, for the reputation of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would be the people that God's called us to be. And as you're eating the food today, I, I literally want you to think about this. As you're eating the food today, I want you to be grateful to God for his blessings, and I want you to remind yourself that with the Lord, 
there's always enough. People have spiritual needs, amen? But people also have physical needs. And guess what? We've got to do, be able to deliver the goods. And so eat the food today. Why? Because God made our bodies to eat and we're hungry. We're going to eat that food. But I want, as you're eating that food, I want you to personalize it. And I want you to thank God that he is going to be faithful to provide for you and for your family and for your seed and for your, se- your seed seed. How many of you believe that? Amen? And that in your old age, in your old age, he's still faithful to provide no matter what season of life that you're going through. All right? Let me do something before we uh, cut you loose. I want to draw, draw your attention to a couple of very important announcements. Next Sunday, we start a marriage series called Vertical Marriage. Now, let me just share something with you. Some of you don't yet know why you're at this church, but let me just help you out. God might be wanting to do some structural foundational work in your marriage because if your marriage is a weak spot, it's going to severely limit what God wants to do and can do through your life because you'll always have an Achilles heel. It's called your marriage. And sometimes people don't focus on their marriages. Brian was up here today, and I'll tell you this, if Brian had not encountered Jesus in his marriage, he would not be here today. We would not be eating this food cooked by his hands because their marriage would have been blown up. Marriage class, 4 o'clock next Sunday, vertical marriage Get your marriage strengthened and established. Focus on the issues, on the weak spots, and make sure that your marriage is a blessing and a strong point. Next is starting point, coming up on August the 16th. Starting point is our welcome to Living Stones. Talk about our vision. We hear your story, how you got here, and we talk about where we're going and what we believe and how we believe God's going to get us there. It's it's a great, great time. Sign up for that out in the lobby, all right, just so we can plan for you. But if you're new to Living Stones and you want to hear more about who we are and what God's called us to, uh, make sure you come to that. Next thing I want to talk about is what we call our quarry leadership gathering. That's also on that particular Sunday, right after that meeting, it's at 6 o'clock, our quarry leadership uh, gathering is when all of the leaders of the house get together, and it's a powerful night of inspiration, encouragement, vision sharing, fun. We always have food at our gatherings, and I want to encourage you, if you're new here, I I know God is sending us some amazing people. Many of you are people who have shouldered uh, serious responsibility at other seasons of your life in ministry, and we just want to tell you you're a treasure to us, and we value you, and we'd love to invite you out to be a part of that leadership culture, the goal is that everybody in our church would be serving in some way, shape, or form. And the quarry meeting is where we get to talk about that. Last thing I'll talk about is Apostle Ted Sola. Uh, This is one of our overseers. If we could go to that slide there. Look at that beautiful face. This is a tremendous man of God. Uh, a prophetic man of God, a great teacher, and one of the things he's going to be focusing on on this particular week, and it's a Friday night and a Saturday morning, uh, the topic there, healing the wounded soul. I want to encourage you, if you're new to Living Stones, this is one of our overseers. We have three overseers. We have them in every year. Uh, We're excited about Apostle and glad that he's coming. It's going to be an amazing, amazing time. So I encourage you to put those dates on your calendar and come on out um, and, and take that in. Can you stand to your feet with me? I want to pray for us right now. And I want us just to pause, whether you're in our overflow room or listening online or wherever, here in the main sanctuary. If you're here today and you know that part of what God's doing in your, this season of your life is rekindling a sense of fresh fire for Him, and you're saying here today, Lord, I want to be like those folks that found you out and followed you. I, I, Lord, I'm asking you to restore in my heart a fresh 
a sense of fire and hunger. I want you just to lift your hands. I want to pray for you right now. And just where you're at in your seats, I want to pray for you. I mean, you know, the, the greatest blessing God can give us is more of himself. That's the greatest thing that he could ever give us. I want to pray for the hungry right now. If you're hungry, get those hands up. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask you, even as we sang that song, God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. Lord, I just speak the blessing of your heart over these precious people, over myself, God. I'm hungry. Lord, I'm hungry. I'm hungry, God. Lord, awaken. Awaken. Awaken our hearts. Awaken us. Shake us from the slumber, God. Shake us from the complacency, oh Lord. Shake us from those places, God, where we become numb or we just become predict predictable to what you're doing, oh Lord. God, I ask you even now, let your blessing touch us. Touch us, God. May the level of our worship and the intensity of the fire in this place intensify, oh Lord. God, break off the chaff and churn up, Lord, the, the ground, the fallowness in our hearts that's grown numb. Lord, awaken us to you. I pray, Lord, that people, even as we worship, that the presence of God in this place would be so tangible and so heavy, Lord, that we'd find ourselves just weeping and broken and absolutely undone because of your glory and because of who you are. Lord, you're what the world is longing for, and many of them don't even know. God, in America, we ask you to have mercy on this nation. God, have mercy on this nation. Oh, God. God, help us. Lord, the brokenness and the pride, God, and the hurt. Oh, God, we're so far from you. Lord, all the blessings, all the freedoms, all the prosperity. And Lord, we're so numb and so satisfied and so far from you. Uh, you know, I just feel the welcoming heart of Jesus. You know, there are people in this room that have been in bondage to areas of sin or addiction, sin patterns, things that have just kept you far from God. And I just want to encourage you, even though we're going to have a feast to celebrate today, man, why don't you have a feast out of the freedom that you experience from being in a right place with the Lord? You know, I want to open the altars right now and have our leaders come forward. I feel like there might be some in this place that, you know, you feel so far from God, but God is doing something in your heart even now. Because the greatest blessing God wants to give you is His presence. And some of you have been far and you're very numb. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. Slip out of your seat right now. Just come forward. We want to pray for you. We just want to lay hands on you. Ask God to touch you. There might be areas you just need to repent of and just say, God, forgive me. 
God, I'm far from you. God, I need to know you. I just feel the heart of God. Thank you. I feel the heart of God. Some of you are in a rough time financially. It might be because of all that's been going on. Your business has taken a hit. We want to pray over you this morning. In fact, I want to do that right now. If you're here in this place and you're just in a situation where maybe you're a business owner or whatever, but you're, if you're in a rough time financially right now, I want you to lift your hand. We want to pray for you. Don't be ashamed. Amen. Amen. In fact, if you're next to somebody with a hand raised, I want you to just put your hand on their back. I want you to agree in prayer with them right now, right? Here's what we're believing for is breakthrough. But listen, this will be, this will be coming down the pike as we, as we get into the sermon series. I want to get us in the place where we're blessable. That's why you got to get your heart right with God. you got to walk in obedience to the Lord. you got to be in a place of surrender so that God's blessing can overtake you, all right? So if you need to do any of that, get your heart right. But Father, I pray right now for the hands that are raised. Lord, we're asking you for miracles. God, for business owners that have taken a hit during this time. Lord, we're asking you to prosper them even during this season of wilderness and the season of drought. Lord, we thank you that your hand is on your sons and on your daughters, and we just pray, Lord, for full recovery so that we can be a blessing, God. We pray, Lord, for those that are unemployed right now, that you would open doors of opportunity, God, for them and bless them. And Father, most of all, we just release the weight of these burdens, Lord, that we're feeling as it relates to finances. We put it in your lap. Come on, release it to the Lord. Get it off your shoulders. Put it in his lap right now as we're praying. And Father, we're asking that you begin to move, that you begin to show yourself strong, that you begin, God, that you begin to reveal your glory and your goodness and your kindness. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your kindness towards us. Now, Father, set us up as we move ahead to move into the full blessing of what you want to release, not on us, for us, but for this world. God, we want to have something to offer our neighbors and people around us and people at work. God, we want to carry your glory and we want to carry your blessing. So, Father, increase your anointing on our lives, we pray right now. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Now, Lord, one last thing. Thank you for this amazing lunch we're going to have. We just pray a blessing on everybody that's serving and cooking. Great blessing on them, Lord. And Lord, as we eat this food, we eat with a heart full of thanksgiving. And Lord, and I want you to do this with me. As we eat the food, God, what we're saying is you are our source. You are our provider. You are the source of our strength. You are our life, our hope, our joy. Lord, you are our everything. And we just give you praise for that. And Lord, last thing, I just want to tell you in front of all my saints, friends here, Lord, I want to thank you. Together we thank you that you're getting ready to do something amazing in our great nation, that you've not given up on America, and God, that your heart is to see us restored and recover and bring us back into a place where you can use us to bless the nation. So Lord, we just thank you that you're in charge. We want to cooperate with what you're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.